Marvel DC, Marvel DC, Marvel DC, 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 Marvel, 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 no image or dark horse. Hey everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Geek Chat. I'm Desmond. I'm Rich. And we're your hosts for this roughly hour-long delve into comic book goodness. We're diving into the pool, y'all. We're diving into the pool of... This Comic week's book new goodness. books, yeah. yeah. Well, last week's new books. Last week's new books. Yes, uh, because we we put this out every Tuesday, uh, Tuesday afternoon roughly before 6 o'clock because uh, we like talking about comic books. We're two geeks. We want to share this experience with you, um, hopefully give you some ideas about comic books that you should be reading, comic books that you might want to steer clear of, and just our general and just share our general love of comic books. So um, you can always, you know, check our stuff out on SoundCloud. That's where all of our other seasons are. Um, we have like over a hundred, almost one hundred and forty episodes so far. Where do they go to find all this goodness? Uh, SoundCloud. You go to SoundCloud and you can the search the Geek, Geek Chat. Chat. Yep. You can also go to iTunes. You can go to Stitcher. Um, you can also soon go to YouTube as well as we're going to begin recording these episodes and put, putting them on that um, that platform as well. That way you can see us live. You know, not live, but you can see our beautiful mugs. Um, and if you ever want to talk to us, you can join our Facebook group and it's called The Geek Chat as well. Just go to Facebook, search the groups and join The Geek Chat. We'd look love to the, have you. Look for the header right now of... Me is Black Manta trying to kill Aquades. Yeah, yeah, with my beautiful blonde quaff. That is right. <laughs> yeah, and that was uh, that was created by our our artist. You know, he's not our artist. Like we don't own him, and you know, tie him up and you know, make him draw our stuff our stuff in a basement layer. That can be, be kind of cool though. Gene uh, Gilmet from RLT Press. You can check his stuff out. Uh, his stuff out also on comic book resources in their um the line it is drawn yes which is posted every friday yes so definitely go and check out gene gilmet's page um at rltpress.com also the music that you heard at the beginning was by terry miller mistress of the mix board we love her thank you so much and this would not be possible without our biggest sponsor whatever comics located at 548 castro street in Really chilly San Francisco. Chilly and wet San Francisco. Chilly and wet San Francisco. Check us out on the web, uh, Facebook, whatever store, and whateverstoreonline.com, soon to be updated. Yes. So, without further ado, let's get to the comics. Uh, so, something we're going to start doing, uh, since we just came back, this is our second episode back, uh, there's a little event going on called Inhumans vs. X-Men. And if you've ever listened to our show, you know that Des and I are huge X-Men fans and not so huge Inhuman fans. So we're, you know who we're rooting for. Yes. So there are a lot of uh, crossover issues coming out, and I will be filling you in real quick on what is a crossover, what isn't a crossover, what worked, and what didn't. Yeah. And this week, three books came out with the banner of Inhumans versus X-Men, The Uncanny Inhumans. Deadpool and the Mercs for Money and all new X Men. So again, just want to sh- just want to reiterate, Marvel has a track record of just 
putting slapping a an event on top of a banner. And guess what? In order in order to help boost the sales of that. Post. You mean a banner on top of a title? So yeah, the banner. Sorry, the banner on top of a title in order to boost the sales. And it's, that it's happened. Common, it's a common practice, but it's a practice that we do not. Appreciate. Yeah, because sometimes these books have no business being a tie-in. That's and right. And Rich is going to tell you which ones fit the bill and which one doesn't. That's right. So this week, we'll start with All New X-Men because it starts with A. Um, this actually was a tie-in. The X-Men have already started their fighting in the number two issue. And this one goes... If you remember, there was an issue where um, the new... Iceman, the young Iceman, is out and gay. And he goes to the gay bar with ID and all of them. And they, they find this inhuman whose name is... I don't know what his name was. It's this boy. <laughs> Romeo. This is all about Iceman not wanting to fight the Inhumans, because his new boyfriend is an Inhuman. And he goes... Wait, 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 wait. They're, like, boyfriends now? Kinda, yeah. They've been dating. Damn! And uh, Bobby learns the plan. This kid don't fuck around. Nope. He learns the plan, and he actually goes to uh, the Inhumans' palace and attacks, but has other plans. He sneaks in, gets Romeo, and you see their first kiss. So sweet. Uh, it is a, a tie-in because you do see some of the fights. You also see it's a, it actually also furthers their story, showing their date nights. So yes, it is an Inhumans versus X-Men tie-in, um, but it's a personal tie-in. And I actually liked this issue more than I liked that gay nightclub issue, which I thought was horrendous. So so basically, he is a. Tra they're both traitors to their. They want to. They just want to go away, and not, uh, they don't want to be. They don't want to deal with this shit. They just want to be together. Get how very Romeo and Iceman. I mean, because uh, seriously, that's kind of hitting the nail on the head, don't yes. you think? Because like literally, literally. Are. So the next one is in humans versus X Men: The Deadpool and the Mercs for Money. Why the hell would you bring in Deadpool into this? Well, because Deadpool has been an X Men. He was an Uncanny X Force. Um, and in this, it takes place five years after the cloud is hit and the fight has happened. So it's a loose, loose tie-in, but it does talk about it. They're trying to get Nega, teenage Negasonic Warhead, who has disappeared. Um, and it's Machine Man, Domino, Ren Kimura, which is an actual new Inhuman... Deadpool, Hitmonkey, and Gorilla Man all are trying to um, trying to protect people from Limbo. And Limbo Town is New York City. And you learn that before Ilyana died, yes, Magic dies, I guess. Again? She, again, she sends uh, her demons to attack New York City. Uh, the plot's actually kind of weak. The whole thing takes place, like I said, five years in the future. You do learn... Um, why they started it, and they fight Karnak, who, for some weird reason, has gone back to his original costume, which is really weird. Triton, a girl who is just like Marrow. This is the future, right? This is five years in the future, and Inferno, and they want their inhuman girl back, basically. But towards the end is when the X-Men come in, and 
For some reason, five years in the future, Rachel Gray still hasn't changed that hideous costume. I do like, see, and this is what I like. I like when they go into the future, or they go into, like, the, the far future, and we get, or even a little bit in the future, and we get to see, like, like weird allegations of various people, like, who might have made children, who might have not. Like, I like when they go into the future and weird shit happens. Like, I like seeing like, that, that. isn't this, though. But oh. yes, I agree with you. I like that. So here, Gold Balls, for some reason, has joined again. <laughs> Zorn is there, Rachel Gray, Polaris, and Nightcrawler, and Negasonic Teenage Warhead. I really don't... As crossovers go, this one is unnecessary because so far it has nothing to do with the plot, where at least all new is set within it, within the actual battle. This is five years in the future. I just... I have a question. So is this the Negasonic Teenage Warhead from the movie, or is this the one that was killed? So... Because she was killed, they brought a new one oh. into with new powers. And something about her powers, uh, Deadpool wants her to bring back the Terrigen Cloud. Please don't do that. But that's where it ends. So this is going to be middle of the pile, or middle of the, the a IVX scale. Now, the one that I think is uh, oh, grossly... The, how was the, the artwork on all these? Um, so... Bagley is the regular artist for all new X-Men, and the cover shows that he has no clue what Colossus looks like now. Yeah, because that Colossus looked weird. Like, why does he have a beard? Yeah, this one's just weird. Oh, well, he has a beard, I guess. He does? But... This, the art is okay. It's very doable. What is it's this? the regular artist. The Deadpool and, and the, the Mercs of Money. Okay. Because um, the art in Deadpool looks pretty good. It is. My biggest complaint is going to be the Uncanny Inhumans. Which what? has it, the Inhumans versus X-Men banner. The cover has Medusa fighting, I think it's supposed to be Colossus. The problem is none of that happens on the inside. The inside is all about Maximus the Mad and, and his dealings. The last maybe four pages, maybe four pages, I'll say three pages, talk about what's going on and how Maximus has a plan. Otherwise, the other 18, 17 pages, nothing to do. This mislabeled, very bad Marvel for making people buy this when it has nothing to do with the main story. What did it uh, have to do with? Just nothing? The continuation of Maximus's plan that he's been working behind the scenes. Is it a plan that's going to affect the outcome of the, of the war? The last couple pages say about, you know, hear me out, the time of great, great crisis, danger for our people, the mutants have declared war. Oh, so okay. So it has nothing to do with what's going on. He, nope. Oh, okay. Nope. I say uncanny inhumans. No. Other bad. Two, bad Marvel. Bad Marvel. We still love you. Sometimes. But it's not good though. And that was your IVX catch up. I don't know what we're gonna call it. Yeah. But you'll have another one next week because IVX number three comes out. Okay. <clears throat> so keeping in line of what's going on with, with Marvel, we're going to move right into uh, Spider-Man now and talk about the Clone Wars. Speaking of events. Uh, sorry, the Clone Conspiracy. This sorry. is a little mini event. Which is how Marvel should really be doing this shit nowadays, in my opinion. Because Dan Slott has, has shown that he can do events well. It's It works well. He has a plan. And he has a goal in mind, and it it works together as as a complete narrative that I think is just lacking in a lot of Marvel comics right now. Um, so we get 
we get no more no dead no more the clone conspiracy number four and we also get a tie-in which is the amazing spider-man uh and it's a clone conspiracy tie-in all right and you have to and listen to me you have to read the uh the clone conspiracy number four before you read the spider-man because a lot of stuff happens in it and um do you know that a lot of people aren't that read spider-man do not want to buy clone conspiracy why I don't know. I don't ask. It, it isn't. That I is? said, did, I, when they bring it up, I'm like, oh, did you want to get the clone conspiracy? No. Well, the funny thing is that's the main story, and Amazing Spider-Man is the side story. And I try to explain that to people, but the way Marvel has them trained, it's the other way around. Yep. For example, the main story of Civil War was the main story, and the side stories were being told. We're here, the main story, clone conspiracy. You would think it would be an Amazing Spider-Man. Nope. That is people. I don't. I don't get people sometimes. I do want to say uh, there are two other smaller books that go into this event. Shock, uh, shocker! We were talking about shocker earlier. Sorry, <laughs> Prowler. Yes. And Silk, and each has its own storyline. Prowler being about Hobie, and uh, if you've read, well, you should know now. If you're reading Clone Conspiracy, he sides with the Jackal. But yet will always protect Spider-Man because he's dead and he's not dead no more. And Silk, which has brought back oh, Maddie Franklin, who I love. Yes. Sad when she died. And also Marla, who if you've been reading Spider-Man, you know Marla. That is why Spider-Man made his vow after Marla died, no more people should die. Yeah. Which is the reason why Jackal has done, one of the reasons really why Jackal is showing Peter what has happened. Yep. So let's get this out of the way real quick. Amazing Spider-Man, Clone Conspiracy, Dan Slott did the writing, Jim Chung was the penciler, John Dell and Corey Smith were the inkers, Justin Ponzor did the color artist, and VCs Joe Caramagna was the letterer. And for Amazing Spider-Man number 23, Dan Slott and Christos Gage were the writers, Giuseppe Camacoli was the penciler. Cam Smith did the inking. Jason Keith was the colorist. And once again, VCs Joe Karamanga did the lettering. Yes, we're getting your name really good now, Joseph. So, uh, thank you. Magna, yeah. <laughs> so, as he said, you read, need to read The Clone Conspiracy, Dead No More, number four first. And what do we learn in that? Well, if you didn't read the last one, we learned that the Jackal is actually Ben Riley. That is correct. Um, and Ben Riley is trying to honor, supposedly honor, uh, Peter Parker's, his, his, I guess his, when he said dead no more, he doesn't, he wants to absolve Peter Parker of all of his, of all the people that he has killed. And in order to stop them from fighting, um, Peter and Ben, he is going to do the ultimate thing and bring back Uncle Ben. But, before he did that though, he wanted to show Peter this, utopia in which all of the people that he's ever killed lives and are being taken care of and everything like that but but oh no there's butts throughout this that's what makes it so yeah, much fun there's a lot of butts and so we get to see um that they captured kane and kane is deteriorating and they're trying to find a way to stop him stop the clones from deteriorating but also kane will spread the virus will spread and infect people also not affected. That is correct. And we get to see that because basically Peter in a really great moment says to Ben, 
you're this is wrong. And and the reason why it's wrong is because you never brought back Uncle Ben. You haven't brought Ben back yet. Yeah, he should have been the, yeah, why. Yeah, he should have been the first one you brought back. But the reason why you didn't bring oh, it back, love it, is because he would have saw what you were doing and, and told you it was wrong. And told you it was wrong. Oh, such. Good and writing. I was like, yep, one hundred percent, one hundred percent correct. And so, and so Peter's like, the I the, this is wrong. And he's like, all right. And so all the villains who he ever kill who who he killed all attack. And it causes great craziness. And meanwhile, meanwhile in the lab, back in the lab, <laughs> uh, we see uh, oh, another great one. Spider Gwen comes in, tries to save Kane. Um, but before that, well, the, yeah, the jackal says something to the. I can't remember her name. It's Anna Maria. Yeah, Anna. Anna. They, Anna they Mar- capture Anna. Anna, Anna goes in. Anna Maria, you know, was talking to Doctor Octopus. She she's amazed that that's him, and. And she's like, oh my god, you're, like, you're alive. <laughs> and, and I want nothing to do with you. Yeah, I want I nothing love to do you. with you. And he's like, I love you. After he had just chastised Kurt Connors, the lizard, for having his family mm-hmm. and, and having ties, you know, sentimental ties. And like, it's, it's just funny. Like, Doc, Doc Octopus, you know, being a, being petty when he knows that he loves this, this woman. And then Jackal, with the ultimate insult, I have a new body for you, a perfect body that isn't... Defected. And, and she was like, I've got defected for you. And then, like, Doc Octopus flies off the handle, and they all start fighting. And, and then uh, Doc Octopus flips the switch that, that increases, that speeds up the deterioration process, and all the clones start to start to de- 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 deteriorate. But the problem is, is... Anna Maria does, too. Yeah, and then they see that, that uh, this is what happened, and this is what causes the Curian... The carrion, sorry, uh, oh, disease. That's so right. All the people who were brought back now start to decompose, and as they decompose, the virus spreads to everyone else. So now they have to stop the six one six from turning into all the other realities that Kane went to, and and trying to find a cure for this. You know what's really cool? Really good writing. You I want guys. to tell you something. Really good story. Just, this it's is it, amazing. Is it five or six issues? I think it's six issues. I think all it's right. six issues total. So there is so much in one issue. One issue number four. It took Civil War and Bendis seven issues for like nine months. This has been coming out on time. Complete story. Number four had so much in it. Yeah. Like there's no padding here, people. No. Everything, every word means something. Every word makes it makes a difference. It just... Fantastic. Chung's art, the Chung art is beautiful. shoves so much in panels, like Smythe. Like, yeah. how cool was it to see that? Like, there's a, there's a, I don't want to call it a two page spread. It's a top of a two page spread where they're all the villains are in line to get their pill, but yet so much happens on this page. Yep, just a great. Like, I don't usually don't stand in lines at conventions for writers. But I would stand in line to meet Dan Slott just to, just to shake this man's hand and say, "Wow, you are really knocking it out of the park with with Spider Man." I hope you never leave. And Chung is amazing on this art. Yep, it just the whole the whole book is good. It's good. This is see when Marvel does when Marvel lets these writers that are passionate that are not burnt out that are not you know writing eight or nine books, you know. Uh, a month really sit down and and work their craft it really works this is event now this is an event that marvel should be doing these smaller more concise more personal events this is personal is the word really to hit it you're right 
You know, this this makes it great. And then the icing on the cake. The icing on the cake is amaz the, the, the amazing Spider-Man tie-in. Because now we finally get to see these quiet moments about what's happening with Peter in in these much larger narrative of, of the event. And that's what I liked. We get to half the book, more than half the book, is about Peter Parker and Gwen Stacy reconnecting. And I loved it. I loved how hearing Gwen's thoughts about... What her, what her thoughts were as right before she died, and what she heard, and, and what, what she knew, and what she heard exactly, what she knew, and what was going on, and then Peter having to be like, you know, I'm sorry. It just it was just really great heart, you know, gut wrenching, heartfelt uh, writing, and like I dance lot really gets it, and this is how a tie in should be. We get more information that makes the event that much stronger. Perfect, five five stars. Perfect, perfect, perfect. I don't want to say Giuseppe Camicoli. I love his art, and there. I don't think I've seen his lines cleaner. I don't think. I, I think he put a lot into this issue because you can see through eyes, you can see through little facial expressions, the feelings and the emotions behind the words that are on the pages. They're not just dots in a mouth, you know, as eyes in a mouth. This is him actually trying to to show and convey, and that's what comic books are supposed to do. Yep. They're graphic. They're graphic. I don't want to say novels. These aren't novels, but you know what I'm trying to say. The whole reason why I read comics is for this. And yeah, yeah. and like the whole thing with Spider-Man always being on his guard, and like they go outside, and all the and all of them start to line up, and he's like, "Oh, I knew it." And he's like, and Gwen is all like, "Stand down." Stand down. You know, they're just trying to get their pills. Calm down. Like, none of things... I was trying to kill you. Oh, and I loved the line that Gwen says, That mask, you don't just wear it to hide your secret identity to protect your loved ones. You know that, right? It's when he has to face the big, like, decisions. He He's trying to hide because he knows. Yeah. And, and, and when... <laughs> when they talked about spider Gwen and the differences and she's like, he's like, yeah, like that's the Gwen from another reality. And, uh, she's in a girl band. She's like, really? She's like, and she plays the drums. And she's like, and they both kind of laugh. I just, well, no, but through it, she also sticks them a little about the whole MJ. Yeah. MJ's waiting in the wings. Oh, you did that. Oh, MJ's the lead singer. What do I play? It's like, she knows yeah. that in, after her death, he moved on. Yep. Yep. It was just just a really good issue. It's it's really intelligent, strong writing. If you guys are not reading this event, like I tell you, you could have skipped Civil War, you could have skipped a lot of the events that Marvel does normally, but this one this is really good, you guys. Really, really good. Now moving right along to something that was not so good. Well, we're uh, talking about events, so we might as well go with a DC event that's going on right now that my my co-host has opted out of. So I will tell you about it this week. Uh, we're on Justice League versus Suicide Squad, five of six. I can't, I'm sorry. I just I, I've not. I do not like this incarnation of the Suicide Squad, and I just yeah. So it started off horrible. I mean, the whole idea of the Justice League versus the Suicide Squad is laughable because one is a set of let's see. There's a god. There's an alien. There's a king. There's people with rings, you know, that can do anything. There's alien, a, a, alien part, alien artifacts that can uh, do anything. Uh, a man that can run real fast versus a woman with a hammer, a crocodile man, a man that can shoot 
You know, it's just, to me, it was, it's, the lineup is so stupid. But <laughs> what it boils down to by the time you get to issue five is it's much more than that. Max actually has the Eclipso, the, the crystal. Yep. That's where we're at right now. Oh, I know it happens. Don't get me wrong. I might not have read it, Eclipso, but I know what happens. Eclipso is back. He's eclipsed the whole Justice League, except for Batman. And the reason he didn't do Batman and the Suicide Squad, he doesn't see them as threats at all. That was the whole reason. So in it, Batman makes these people honorary Justice Leaguers, which kind of ties in because Lobo's one of them. And they all go after Maxwell Lord. So, this week we both decided. No, no, no but what did you li- what did you think about it? This issue, what did you think about it? Like, were you, were you excited that uh, that that uh, a lot of, that Eclipso was the big villain, the reveal of the big villain, and and he was like, oh my god, Eclipso is kind of making a power play to become because like Eclipso basically eclipsed the moon and uh, the sun, and then made everybody so, uh, the, crazy. Yeah, and then made everybody crazy Eclipsos. like Eclipsos, and that's what happened. And then at the end. We see that Eclipso actually comes back. He forms. Yeah, Eclipso forms. And it's like, oh shit, Eclipso was the big baddie. And I've always been a fan of Eclipso. I've always liked him. So have I. That's one reason why I wanted you and I to read Justice League number 13. Yeah. I'm really sorry I made us read it, but I wanted to read it because I, I also... Do you remember when uh, Eclipso... Was it like the Eclipso War? And it had the black diamond on the front of the comic book. Oh yeah. I have that. I yeah, still I love it. I really liked Eclipso. I, th- I thought Eclipso was one of those characters that never really got his due. I mean, I think there was one thing that was done about him. What was it? What was it? Um, he had a... It was a miniseries, or it was a... He was the villain in a really good story a long time ago, and I can't remember what it was. I'll have to come back and let you guys know about it, but, but Eclipso is always one of those people that never really got his due because he's super, super powerful. But he, again, he just never got his due. So what were you saying, Rich? I'm sorry. I don't know. I don't remember. But No, the whole thing with this is I didn't hate the issue, but I just, I, I don't know. The whole event's been really uneven for me. Since we just talked, we talked about, this is the third event we've talked about. And it's DC's first real event with the Rebirth. And I don't think that this... Maybe it'll read better in trade when it's all together. But it does. It's also lining up the brand new Justice League America, which is Batman's book, uh, because outsiders wouldn't have sold. But hey, Justice League of America will definitely sell. And we're going to go into Justice League number 13. I would have liked to have read a Batman and the Outsiders book, or just an Outsiders book in general. I would love that too. That's why I said it. Welcome to Eclipso. Tim Seeley was the guest writer. Scott Eaton was the penciler. Wayne Faucher was the inker. These words are getting really small. Yeah, I'm very sorry, Mr. Colorist and Mr. Letter. I can't read that. It's just not good writing. Um, what did not you think? Writing, of, it'd be lettering. The lettering. Can you read any of that? Uh, Richard Stalkings. And Comcraft. And, com- and com- Comcraft. the colorist? Gabe El- 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 Teb? Greg El Teb. Something like that. Sorry we butchered your name, but tell him to make it bigger. Uh, so Justice League 13. We're talking about Justice League 13. What'd you think? 
Um, it was all told by the point of view of um, Steve Trevor. Steve Trevor, and it was about Steve Trevor seeing all of his friends and family go crazy, and him. It was all mental dialogue. It really was. If you ever saw the movie In the Mouth of Madness, or if you saw like a Cthulhu thing or on the hills in the hills of madness or something like that and in which a person like the whole world is going crazy around this one guy and he doesn't know what he's what he has to do to like he can't he doesn't he, he basically is at his wits end and so he basically is like the only way to survive is to become part of the madness and that's literally what happens in the book he he can't he can't change what's happening so he literally lets the eclipso uh virus or whatever it is consume him and i'm like okay you know it it really wasn't any it really didn't change anything or make anything it really wasn't that big of a character study because i don't think anyone really cares about him um, as a character within this within this book now if this was something that was going on like wonder woman where where he's much more of of a larger character maybe but and with his relationship and, and in relation to all this other stuff that's going on in the book, it just seems like just a filler issue. This is the worst kind of filler issue for me. Why do you, why do you say Uncanny that? Uncanny in humans had the banner on it, had nothing to do with it. This was a Justice League Suicide Squad tie-in, and I'm agree with you, it had nothing to do with the larger story at all. Well. The art, this, if I had picked this up, wanting more of what they advertised in Justice League Suicide Squad, I'd be pissed. Cause well, none, none of them are really in it. Nope. Like, literally, none of the other people who were Justice Leaguers or anything were in it. Well, they're in the background. I mean... In the first couple pages. Well, they're just doing... But they're doing their thing. Yep. Again, this is about him. This is about his... Like, it's a story about him. And it's like, I don't think he's compelling enough to, to carry a story. Nope. And how come in this... Their faces... I also thought it was an odd choice for art. In the main book, their faces get eclipsed and it's blue, and now they have weird scales. But in this book, people's faces become deranged and their bodies, their faces re-sculpt, and they their everything turns to sharp claws and nail... I just was like, that doesn't really happen. Like no. when you when you become when when you become possessed. By I went back and forth diamond. between the two books, looking, and I'm like, okay, they're gonna do their faces now, and their faces are this weird scar, and maybe their teeth get. I don't understand how your teeth comes a little weird, but in this in the Justice League book, their faces turn into like monsters. It's just yeah. it's very odd. Uh, the Justice League thirteen was a big old thumbs down for me. Big old thumbs down. But one of the Justice League of America Rebirth Ray issues, that also came out. We reviewed... So we're moving, we're changing? Yeah, we're done. What else? Why, you want to say something no, else No, I'm about saying that? That, that was just a really abrupt... Well, a... no. We're talking about what's going on still. Because born out of Justice League Suicide Squad will be... But Ray was not even in the book. Nope. We're moving on. I mean, neither was, neither was the Atom or... Nope. That's what all the prequels are for. <laughs> okay. I mean, I mean, in the, thank in, you. They in the should. Justice, in the we Justice really League should versus, see them. Okay, in the Justice League versus Suicide Squad, we do get, you know, to say at the end, he said, I mean, not at the end, but towards the middle, Batman says, you know, you're welcome to the Justice League or some bullshit like that. And I'm like, okay, so, so at the end of this, at the end of this book, Justice League versus Suicide Squad, 
does Batman get pissed off at the Justice League and he leaves and then and then forms, forms his team, own the Outsiders? I mean, the Justice League of America. I mean, is that what's is that what's going to happen? Uh, we'll find out in I a mean, couple weeks. Because, like, I don't know. It just seems kind of like, disjointed. Well, there's got to be a reason for Batman to, to to create this group. I'm kind of wondering what it is. Like, maybe he sees that working with these high powered people aren't working and. Hot fire people. I mean, the fucking Ray can, is super powerful, and I don't know. I don't know. Really, don't know. Uh, a lot of the things they're doing, I love DC what they're putting out, but some of it just is so disconnected. So we got JLA Rebirth, the Ray. Steve Orlando was the writer. Stephen Byrne did the art and color. Clayton Cowles did the lettering. Ivan Reese, Joe Prado. Oh, that's just the cover people. Okay. <laughs> uh, this book. What did you think about uh, Night Boy? This book was rough for me. How so? Um, uh, it was just rough. I really didn't care about this little kid. Grow like the mother was such a bitch. The mother they went they, the way they wrote her. I well, was like, she he he basically is a special needs child. Like he's like a flashbulb. Any kind of light. More stronger than a television makes him makes his power know, flare you up. You should never ask your kid, "Are you trying to make me feel bad?" Don't fucking do that. So I mean, the mother is shown as well, the, the kid. You see that the kid has problems. Yeah, the mother is like in the panels. Like the kid is sitting, and only the light of the TV is illuminating. It's his birthday. The mother is like puts the cake on the floor and says, "I'm going to bed." So obviously, her life is shit because she has to care for the special needs kid. You know, like I, I get, I get what Orlando was trying to do and show I do too. that the mother was a was a bitch. You know, and then and he had a rough life. Yeah, and he's the newspaper boy on the bubble. Yes. I mean, and so and and so he, you know, was like, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna, and we, I guess he turns into a teenager. He knows he's gay, which is basically a, kind of a throwaway line. He's like, I'm gay. I'm gonna go do what I want to do, and blah blah blah. And I'm like, okay, so it's established that he's that he's gay and it's like okay but i like i like that for i like that part they didn't make a big deal about coming out or anything like that it was just like i'm gay i like this i like this uh the superhero um tv actor you know i'm gonna go out and live my life and so he goes out and then he meets a guy and then flash bulbs out and becomes all freaking out and then he turns invisible and then he's and he's invisible for like a couple years or something like, uh, yeah i don't then he was invisible for a long time there was a lot of stuff that didn't make sense and you just had to go with it because nothing they explained a lot but i don't think they explained the stuff we wanted to be explained yeah like the, it's a little disjointed on on how his life kind of kind of went and until and then i guess he can form he can form things though we never really see it because he forms his costume because he's been drawing it forever, but I, I didn't. And then, like, I guess he's forming hard light, and then, and then, like, the guy, like the the guy he comes to see gets attacked, and he's like, "I'm not going to be a, I'm not going to be, you know, invisible anymore. I'm going to be who I am." And I'm so going to come into the light, come out. What does he say? Step out in the light. Step out into the light. Yeah. Like that. So he comes out. He he flash bulbs, and he's all the ray and black and everything. And so he he saves the guy, and then he makes the guy invisible and freaks the guy out, and then he brings him back, and then he forms his. He for I like seeing him blow. Deadbolt. Yeah. Was cool. Seeing to Deadbolt see. was cool, but then he forms his helmet, and he's like, "I'm the ray," which is kind of a play on his name. I'm done hiding. And I'm like, "Go on, girl, now, live your life." Is that supposed to be him with the older guy? Yes. Yes, he he is with he is with the older guy at the uh, at the uh, the movie theater because he's trying to live his life now, and I guess he has he finally has control over his powers. I don't know. I didn't know how. Uh, how? 
That's yeah. what I mean. This issue, I'm really glad we have a gay hero. Really glad he's going to be in the Justice League. But as for an origin story, do you know that his dad was supposed to be the Ray in the 40s, I guess? Maybe his grandfather? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I just... I didn't get that's any, where I think no 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 I didn't I didn't get any I didn't get any legacy at all from this character I thought it was literally a a, a new telling of 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 this character I had I had no idea that he was supposed to be related to the to the Ray in the forties see wasn't it a throwaway line something about it might have been because because if it was it was supposed to be something about your dad I the dad something. just I thought the dad just left I don't know you know and that was another reason why the mom didn't like him it was like you know you drove my husband away you little bitch. Ouch. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is kind of one of those things where, where they were like, you know, Orlando, write a book. And he's like, okay. And then he wrote he wrote this because he had – I think he took it as a uh, – I think he took it as the opportunity to kind of tell a gay story. You know, a light gay story. A light gay story. You know, about it, it's a coming of age story about I, him coming into his own, but it just it I, seemed kind of rushed. You know, I really would have – this should have been a miniseries. Why, I would have liked to have – I would have liked it, it. I would have liked this to have come out maybe three months ago, and this having this be the fourth issue, you know, or something. And I the, agree. And he kind of added a fleshing little out bit, the character. Yeah, fleshy, like this character, I believe deserved a little bit more fleshing out. Because Vixen was basically a retelling of everything she's but we, done. But, but we thrown know in. we know who Vixen is, right? And know? the Adam we know because they really didn't change it much. But from... the weird thing about the Adam though is he really knocked it out of the part of the part. He really knocked it out of the park with the Adam because it didn't really matter the kids the the uh, uh it didn't really matter about his his background because we were talking about him coming to, into his own being with being with Ray Ray Palmer and, and joining the Adam. Mm-hmm. So that one worked it out. This is literally the Ray is is this kid's entire life from all in twenty pages, all in twenty pages, and I think that's the problem. You know, it was just too condensed. This for me, this character deserved like a four part miniseries. I know they don't probably don't do four part miniseries anymore, but I well, think- they're doing the Raven, which is spinning its wheels because. I swear to God, I nothing happens in that. See, this this is a character that deserved that deserved a, a miniseries. Raven, I don't think did. They didn't need to reintroduce that character like like that. But this character needed a proper introduction, in my opinion. I th- and I think that's the reason why I am a little like, yeah, saddened by it because it's like this this comic was just okay. It's just okay. It could have been much better. It should have been much better. It should have been much better as an introduction to this character. So, a reintroduction to this character. In the narration, it says, she says I got my interest from my dad. Those and the same dangerous allergy to light, to sunlight, it killed him. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. So, I don't know. I agree. I, I had high hopes for this, and I feel like I, I want, if you're going to put this out there, and if you're going to make, he's getting his own miniseries uh, big animated like Vixen was on the CW seed he's getting one which is great but I want to read this I don't want to see it yeah like I it, if you're going to introduce a character at least try to introduce him re- reintroduce him right and I don't think that was a good one like I don't really think it was a good one it could have been it could have been a lot better is my, is my is my only thing okay so we are going to go into two independents because we're going to try to do two we're going to try to get you independence as well 
Um, a lot I'm, more than, than what we've done in yeah. the past because we want to – there's a whole bunch of number ones coming out of Independence. Like every week there's a new number one. We want you to try new stuff. It's, there's a, it's a big pond out there. Even though Marvel, DC are the largest fish with Image and some of the other ones being, being smaller but still fairly large, we want to get you some Independence just to kind of like say, hey, this is something you should, either you should check out or you, or you should steer clear of. So I'm going to be reviewing real quick Curse Words by Image or from Image, by Charles Sewell, and art was done by Ryan Brown. Colors by Ryan Brown, Jordan Boyd, and Michael Parkinson. Letters by Chris Clank, Ryan Brown, and Sean DePasquale. The logo was done by Sean Dove. Um, this is This was a really interesting book. It is about a magician named Wizard who has a pet koala, and he is the wizard to the stars. If you can pay the money, he will do it. He has three rules. There's rules to magic in this. No cures, no wars, and no love. And for this first guy, this, uh, this music guy, he wants to become platinum, like metal for real, because he wants his album to go platinum. And sure enough, he does. Johnny Platinum, or Platinum Johnny. The problem is, he can't feel anything because he's made of metal. Now, you got what you wanted. Don't bitch. <laughs> but you learn there's something else to this man. You learn how he comes to this earth and what he does to gain people's trusts. Uh, a, he battles an, a foe from the land he came into, or he came from. But before the man could tell the people who he really is, Wizard kills him. And spoiler alert, people, you learn that Wizard is not a nice man. He's actually evil, and he's here pretending to be nice. It was a really, I really liked this, number one. The coloring is, is different from many other comic books. It's a lot of bright, bright colors, almost to the point of they're like I wouldn't call it neon, but it's it's, it's a, a little oversaturated. It's it's bright pinks, bright blues, uh, to show power, and it is all through it. And when you get to the end, you learn who he has betrayed, and now they're after him. I really liked it. I really liked this book. I two weeks in a row now, Image has given us brand new number ones with Curse Words and God Country, that are both great new books. That if you're into, I don't want to say superheroes, but if you like that kind of thing, actiony books, they're they're both good to pick up. Um, so, curse words. Yes. Is it an adult book or is it an all ages book? Who who do you think would best? It's definitely a mature book. It's not going to be for little kids. But if you if you like any kind of wizards, any kind of magic books, um, this would be the book for you. And the art, actually, I like Ryan Brown. And the figures he puts in backgrounds, I mean, it's, the pages are full. This is definitely not, you know, a light on pictures book. Now, it also is told uh, the, from timepieces, so it goes back and forth and back and forth. So if you get a little confused in that, you might, you know, read it again. But I liked it. Overall, I really liked this book. Okay. So the book that I'm going to review uh, is going to be Black Hammer, The Giant-Sized Annual. Um, and it is by a host, a host 
of uh, of different creators. Actually, one one, uh, one two writer. writers, two writers. Actually, it was well, one writer. Actually, it was created by Jeff Lemire uh, and Dan Ormston, and it is the script was by Jeff Lemire, and uh, the art is huh, the art on pages one through four. Oh, don't do that. Just read all the names. Okay. So the this art, is starring the art of. Yeah. Or featuring, I should say. There you go. Uh, Nate Powell with colors by Dave Stewart. Matt Kent with colors by Shirlene Kent. Uh, Dustin Nugent with the colors by Dave Stewart. Ray Fox, who did the whole thing. Uh, Amy, Amy Lennox uh, with colors by she Dave Stewart. She did Plutonia. She did Plutonia. Uh, Michael Allard. Alred, Alred, sorry, with colors by Dave Stewart and letters by Todd Klein, with a cover by Jeff Lemire, Lemire, sorry, and uh, Dave Stewart. So what this book really is, and it makes me okay. So if you don't know a lot about Black Hammer, Black Hammer was was a book that Jeff wanted to shut up. He wanted to uh, give it to DC, and he wanted this to be Justice League, but. You know, DC passed on it, and so he took it to Dark Horse. And so all these people on here, you can sort of tell uh, where certain people, characters sort of sort of mirror each other. And the fact that this is a giant-sized annual, you generally don't see giant-sized annuals uh, from, like, Dark Horse or Image or stuff like that. So it just kind of makes it feel more like it was from one of the big two. And with this Black Hammer, it is a self-contained story in which the colonel, who is a, I guess he's sort of like a, um, he's a space guy, sort of like uh, Adam Strange, um, multiple planets and stuff. And he's, but he's kind of crazy in this in this world. And he sees this sort of starro brain thing looking thing that kind of comes into their world, and he follows it into space oh and into the world. I didn't get the Starro yeah. analogy. Yeah. So, the yeah. Name. So he, and as he's going through it, it takes him through time. And that's where you get to see this alien thing goes in and it goes through time into the characters like, like Abraham slam and the, and the girl, it goes into their different, uh, pasts and the, and the colonel is following it as as we get to see more uh, information about each one of these characters, and that's that's how Jeff is basically giving us more backstory about each one of these characters. And it is Max the and 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 the the bookends are the colonel following this, and at the end the colonel meets himself in one in the past, and his past self is trying to get some information about him, and he's like, no, no, no. You can't, I can't tell you anything, you know I can't, but just safe to say that, you know, everything will work out, something to that effect. And that's what it's about. It's not so much that, it's like an exploration about who these people are. We get a really good story about Abraham Slam, we get a really good story, you know, about, about, uh, the, uh, I can never say her name, Mighty, Miss Mighty. A golden gal, sorry. And we get to see her, her, you know, one of her lost loves because every time she says the magic word, she reverts back to a kid and she has to grow up again. So it's just, again, little vignette stories about, about each one of these characters, you know, and this alien bug thing that's going through time. Um, it's, it's not a make or break 
story. It's just one of the stories that adds more depth to these characters if you're reading the main story. Is it something that you have to buy? No. But it definitely adds to the... It adds to the the magic of Black Hammer. And if you read the story, if you read the series and collect the series, you definitely should pick this up because it adds a whole new level to these characters. I really, really, really enjoyed it. So please, you know, take a chance on it. So I want to say, Jeff Lemire has been around for a while. He's written for, you know, DC. He writes this. He has a new book coming. He's written for Marvel. He writes for Marvel. Yeah, and he writes a lot for Image, and he's had his own books too. Uh, he has a new story I got in the mail, a little letter from him and a little ash can. He actually signed it. So it is called Royal City, and it's going to be coming out in March. It's a creator-owned series. Written, created, written, and illustrated by him. Yep. He didn't letter it, though. Letters by uh, Steve Wands. Yeah. So I read this little ash can, and I'm really interested in this book. And I'll just give you a little bit. It follows Patrick Pike, a fading literary star who reluctantly returns to the once-thriving factory town where he grew up and is quickly drawn back into the dramas of his two adult siblings, his overbearing mother and his browbeaten father, all of whom are still haunted by different versions of his youngest brother, Tommy, who drowned decades ago. What follows is a mysterious journey into his family's past and into the strange underbelly of the town he grew up in. I'll tell you, the first issue is going to be 56 pages. This little ash can alone, which could be, what, more than 10 pages maybe? 15? It's big. Really drew me in because both the dad hears the son, Tommy's voice, in a radio, and then as Patrick is driving, he swears he sees him. This little ash can got me so interested in this book. We will definitely be reviewing this. I think based on this, once I get to read the full thing, I'll let you know. I'm going to try to read the full thing early. Of course you are. I'm going to try because this was so good. So more independent, more um, more of the, the creator-owned stuff, I think we should all look at. And... Two books I want to talk about real quick before we go into our last couple is uh, Neil Gaiman is coming back and he's going to be doing American Gods. Yep. We will be reviewing that and reading that. I think everyone should check that out. And the other book I just posted about, uh, if you liked the Dark Crystal, they're going to be doing a prequel to this coming out as well. All right, then. Yeah. Two cool. books, two properties, I want to say, that are going to be reexamined. Alrighty, well, there you go, folks. You heard it here first. Probably not, but yeah. Probably not. <laughs> so next, the next two books we're going to review is uh, issues two and three of The Invincible uh, Ironheart. I mean Iron Man, because Iron Man sells better than the name Ironheart. Hey, you took my... I was going to say that. You <laughs> son of a bitch. I stole it. You did steal that. Oh, well. So we are. We're going to be talking about this book. We reviewed the number one months ago when it came out. We... We have different ideas about this book and that I actually didn't, I liked these two issues for what it is, but like he said, the reason why it doesn't say Iron Heart is because Iron Heart won't sell. This book is not Iron Man, though it kind of is because he's still in it. Well, his hologram or projection his, is. Yeah. And so. Uh, so Brian Michael Bendis, who writes half of Marvel right now, wrote this. Stefano Caselli 
is the artist. And I, I love his art. He did Secret Warriors. Oh, yeah. Depth. Fantastic artist. Marte Gracia was the color artist. And VCs Clayton Cowles did the lettering. And I want to say it's interesting that when you read stuff Brian Michael Bendis does, doesn't it seem like he gets the best artists? Well, of course. He really does. He is a big name. Yep. He can do it every once. He's, he's Brian Michael Bendis. The art on this is fucking gorgeous. Yes. The art, the art is one of the saving graces. So this tells the story of young Riri, and issue two goes into more about uh, how... Well, the death of her friend. The death of her friend. Which is the catalyst about why she needs to save yes. everybody, and why she needs to um, be the hero, and why she kind of is a bit more introverted, and why she... Basically, the catalyst of what... The, the reason by, behind what she does, and why she does it. I think it is a bit cliche. You uh, said that about issue one. You did not that, like it. And I say that about this as well. I mean, she actually looks at the girl. And I found that who to got be shot. You don't do that. Yeah, she she ran back. She saw her friend lying there. She sees the bullet wound. People are like, she can't be in here. Get her out of here. And she freaks out. And it's like. And even this woman in the thing says, this is isn't anybody working security tonight? It's a guy. That's the first thing I. Oh, it's a guy. It's I thought a guy. it was a woman. Looked like no. boobs. It's a guy. Um. I thought the same thing. Now, there's some things in a comic book. It's a fucking comic book. You know, okay, you know, people can fly. But this girl would not be allowed to just run through the trauma section of a hospital. No, she wouldn't. And it's just, I don't know, it, I think I felt it was just a bit too heavy-handed. I felt, again, I'm going to use the word, it's a bit cliche as, as a reasoning for her to want to do this. Um, and, oh, okay, you know, I'm like, but this is, but this is what we're... This yeah, is what we're working with, yes. with her. And it's like, okay, this is her backstory that Bendis is trying to stretch out. Oh, and her mother has had two husbands now get shot. Yes. Two husbands that's died through gang violence or, you know... Well, we don't we don't know the first one. We just know he was shot. Yeah, well... You're, you're left to assume. You, you are left to assume that yes. it's gang violence. And, yes. and I think that's what Bendis is meant to do, is trying to do. You know, so so as it, as it stands with Riri, I'm a little like, okay, whatever. But the other side of the story is... is her relationship with Tony Stark's AI, you know, at the end of civil war, Tony Stark was beaten into a coma or something like that. And then his, his brain downloaded and it was sent to Riri because Riri is one of the smartest people on the planet. And he sees her as sort of, um, a replacement and he wants to be her mentor. And so he is helping her build a better set of armor and running her through, uh, Training by fighting other Iron Men. Which was in issue two. Which was issue two. So issue two, we get to see the the play between the two and her, or not play, but the, the interplay, the, yeah. the talking. And also her fighting style. Yes. And she bests him at the end. Of course she has to. Yeah. Uh, which leads you to number three. Where we see more about what's going on with Tony and and Stark and Stark International, yes, which I kind of enjoy. I kind of like what's going on with that, you know. And like, I guess his mother took over, his real mother took over, and she's a she's a singer from the eighties. From yeah, from the eighties, who I've never heard of, you know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, like, is it Dazzler? Is Dazzler Tony Stark's <laughs> mother? I don't know, you know. And so this woman's here, and she's taking over, and MJ's there, and MJ's there, and the Friday. AI is there as well, and and so she kind of placates this guy who wants to take over, or chairman of chairman of something who wants to placate. So they placate him, you know, and said like, "You need to go away. I'm running the company. Don't worry about it." While AI Tony 
Tony AI is teaching Riri to be better, a better iron person. What did you think about Bendis's um, conversation that Tony has with Riri about their names? Did you think that it was a little... Did you think it was funny? Did you think it was stupid? Did you think it was heavy-handed? I was a little bit of both. Because they're talking I think it was a bit about, all of it. It's just... He really is trying... I think he's he was really trying here to... To talk about people online that were talking about her. Because it's, you know, Iron Woman. And they talk about Hulk, which is very interesting. Because we were talking about She-Hulk. And, you know, he's like, well, I thought you were going to be uh, Iron Girl, Iron Woman. And then she says, I'm not really a fan of sexual identity as a qualifier. She-Hulk. What does that even mean? Well, Hulk came out three weeks ago, a couple weeks ago. Hulk is now just Hulk. She's not She-Hulk. So Jennifer Walters is just Hulk. And I feel like he was saying something about that. Well, he is. Like, it's all... It's, no, him is in Bendis. No, I know. Bendis is... It's a meta-narrative about... What's going on. Yeah. And that and that's just how Bendis writes. Like, he he, he, he tries to be topical about what how people are thinking in the real world. And I think it's great that it's being reflected in this. Yes. You know, she shouldn't be Iron Woman. You know, or Iron Girl, or Iron Girl, and then he says female. Well, Fe is a symbol for Iron. Now, what? Sadness? I mean, I just think I think I think Tony, I think Tony is is being Tony and trying to be lighthearted about this about this much bigger issue about you know uh, identity be. identity politics and and like you know should she be Iron Woman versus Iron Heart or or whatever? Yes, yes. I I, I think that that's great that we're having the conversation in this. And I think it was I think it was handled fine, you know. Um, you know, what saved it for me. What the art? Yeah, the, the art. His the way he draws the faces, really, I got that. But and again, I think I think those kind of going back to your question about the conversation. Yes, I do think conversations like that matter. There, it's a larger narrative that's going on in in you know society right now, and it's fun. It's interesting that's coming up in comic book, comic books. I think it's good. You know, uh, and I just, but I hope that, that that does not become the focal point of the of the story. And I think that's that's the line that you have to toe when you when you bring you know larger, not political, real but world. larger real world ideas into a comic book, and which is supposed to be fantasy driven. And I think that's fine that we had a conversation about it. It's a conversation that, that that I think you know once she decides a name, it won't be brought up again. And Bendis likes to do that. Bendis likes to dip in and out. Of that little bits of what's going on. He does it all the time in Spider-Man. So did you notice the Monsters Unleashed on yeah. one page? Yeah, I noticed that. And then I'm like, what is sitting on her head? So this is going to be interesting to see. I don't, yeah, I don't, know what, I don't know what that was. And then you had Miles in it. And throughout this book, and I think the last one too, you she was firmly placed in the Marvel Universe yeah. to show she's part of it, yeah. but yet not. no one else is addressing her. But yet... Bendis wants to make sure you see her with people. And I was like, interesting how he's doing it, even though she did appear in that weird, she showed up in that Civil War issue. Which was bizarre. Which was very bizarre. Because she wouldn't have, I mean, it was just weird. It's very weird. She shouldn't have been there. Yeah. And then Pepper Pepper Pot shows up. And I'm like, okay, they're talking. Um, I thought that was cool. Like, I thought that was cool, and, and I really liked this conversation. And I really liked Pepper coming out and being like, okay, Tony's doing this with you. 
okay, you know, what's going on? And then she's like, I don't know if I can deal with this, you know? Well, that's just it. And it's funny because earlier in the book... Um, well, they all thought he was in they, coma. <laughs> they also talked about there's this girl... Um, there's a brilliant young woman in Chicago named Riru Williams. His Tony instructed me to make sure she has everything she needs. So now, us as readers, and this is what I liked about it, us as readers actually see what's going on. Tony's helping her. Yeah. They're aware at the, you know, MJ and well, Friday. They're, they're just aware that he, he wanted to give her money. Yes. They just didn't know that he's still, his consciousness is in AI. And now Pepper, yeah. who was also questioning, is aware. Yeah. This is what I mean. I'm enjoying, so we're not going to get Tony in the armor. This is what we're getting. So I'm looking at it as this is what we're getting. How... How is it going? I mean, I can't even think of another well, way to say it. Well, it's only issue three. What, right. What and made I'm... no sense to me was at the end of two, who are these women? And... Yeah, I don't know who they are either. Why? I thought, is it like a female Mandarin type of thing? I have no clue. Only that she says, the new Iron Man must die. Quickly. Will you do that for me? Will you? And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, I'm like, I don't know who she is either. Like, I really don't know where she comes from. And then at the end, we Frank, get these if you're, ninjas. If you're, if you're Frank, if you're listening, maybe you can tell us. Who are these ninjas? Are they the digital ninjas that were in his book a while ago? I don't know. Because I know I read it before, and I know he was fighting some digital type ninjas before, so maybe it's them. And how did they but control... I don't, really, I don't really remember. Don't Isn't their armor fit to them? I just, I was a little confused at it's the weird. end. It's weird. It's weird. But hey, you know, it's Bendis, so he'll make sense of it, I'm assuming. So. I'm actually liking the the intros. How she's the intros talking. are kind of cool. I have she's to admit, talking into it, yeah. but it's us. Yeah, that's a that's a neat that is a neat thing. It's as a for it's a, a nice recap. Yeah, that's a nice recap. And I really do see, wish... and I think that's a good way to do it. You're always telling me about like reading it when it, when it's prose, and he's like, read, you got to uh, read the intro, blah, blah blah. That's better. That's I agree. a better way to do that's it. That's what I was about to say. This is way they should do it. I don't want to see it in every book, but it I, works for this. It book. works for this book. Yeah, and it, it works. They do it seldomly. So next week, we're going to get IVX, number three. We're going to get a brand new independent called Lady Castle. We're going to be reading. I cannot wait. I know. So, all right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, this is our first, like, non-live show. We used to be live, but, you know, due to scheduling conflicts, we're not going to be live for a while. But this does allow us to go a little bit longer because we were always... Uh, Time restriction. Yeah, we, we always had a time restriction of one hour. So as you can see, this is going a little bit over. So it does free us up for a little bit more time to, to have more in-depth conversations about uh, these comics that we all love and love dearly. So uh, again, you can uh, check out our artist, uh, Gene Gelmet. He is the one that does all of the fantastical uh, pictures of me and Rich fighting each other. He draws I'm trying them. to kill him. He's always trying to kill me. Um, you can check him out on at rltpress.com or on CBR's, uh, on the, the line it is drawn. It's their, um, it's a pod thing they do. I don't remember what it's called. It's like a column they do. So go check it out on, uh, a pod, a pod. I don't know. Um, also the woman who does our intro and outro is the fantastic Terry Miller, uh, she's the mistress of the mix board. We love her. Definitely. Thank you so much, Terry. And again, to our most special, uh, our most special, special sponsor, whatever comics located at 548 Castro street in San Francisco. Check, Check us out on the web, Facebook, whatever store or whatever store online.com soon to be updated. Yes. And we're also and stop into the store. If you're here. Yes. In San Francisco and wet, 
Drury, San Francisco, come and stop in to this hot place and get some comic books. Also, forgot before I forget, want to say thank you to Club Card Printing. They're the ones who print all of our palm cards, and if you see it, it's printed, it's probably from them. Check them out at clubcardprinting.com. Also, if you want to join, uh, if you want to talk to the Facebook, if you want to talk to us, um, you can join our Facebook group. It is The Geek Chat. Go to Facebook, go to the groups, and search for The Geek Chat. We always love to talk about comics, so join the conversation. Again, I'm Desmond. I'm Rich. And we'll see you soon. Bye. The Geek Chat.